Welcome to the Well Season Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. Today, I'm talking with Lauren Thomas, who is a blogger who has a lifestyle blog called Modern Hippie, where she writes about food, lifestyle, fashion, and more. Lauren has a new book called The Modern Hippie Table, and it's her first book. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, Lauren, for our listeners who may not yet be familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, I'm not a... uh traditional cookbook author, uh, but my, my cookbook is a lifestyle cookbook. And I guess I'll just start by saying I grew up in a family that was a traditional Jewish family. And there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, cooking and, and holidays and, tra- and traditions and hosting. And that really was where my love affair with hosting began. Um, and you know, I just paid attention and I always just loved the whole ambiance that was at my grandparents' house when they hosted parties or gatherings. And I just really paid attention to all that went on um, with that. And of course, paid attention to the kitchen and didn't realize that it was because I had such a passion for it at the time. Um, And, you know, I went on to study, I went to an art uh, high school for painting. I was uh, real heavy into visual arts realized I didn't want to go to an art school or be an artist for a living. So I went on to study psychology in college, Uh, ended up getting my master's in in psychology and um, realizing I didn't want to sit behind a desk and and, uh, see patients all day. However, my studies really lended itself to being very aware of how people feel um, and that has carried over to my love of, of hosting and, and um, making people, whether it's my family or friends, feel special when they come into my home. You're very well known for your website, Modern Hippie Table, and it's a really beautiful website that details a lot of different facets of what you're talking about, fashion, entertaining, travel, and food. How did you start writing this? Where, where did that come in for you? Yeah, so I have had various blogs too because I've loved I love to write. I love to tell picture tell stories through pictures and through writing. And social media, specifically Instagram, is a great vehicle for that, great platform. And I was just sort of telling stories about my my life and how we travel in our um, sometimes in our little camper or whether we're traveling to Europe. Um, I love I love sharing that. And I love, um, and, and I realized that by telling these stories, whether it was in my travels or in my kitchen, the way that I told them was in a way that showed the process as much as the finished product. And I started to be very aware that people, you know, picked up on this and were intrigued by that process. And you know, people wanted to know not only what I was making, but also, well, how do you manage to make that after you've had um, a busy day running around? How do you still entertain? So by sharing that process and that growing curiosity on my website, my blog, my social media, you know, I realized that um, people, people, there was a real need um, for, or, or I guess a draw of how, of this kind of lifestyle. So that's, that's sort of how I started to, to grow my following and it was great. Your website is just gorgeous. Um, 
you do an amazing job on it. Um, just visually stunning. Um, yeah, was that organic with you? Did you kind of think about all this before you started it or did it just kind of all come together for you? Ah, organic. Um, I think just, you know, knowing now what you know about my background, generally speaking in the arts um, and social sciences, you, there, there just is a real um, innate ability within me to, to recognize that there's such a visual component uh, to what I do and that I love seeing and, 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 you know, following other people with sort of lifestyle blogs and who travel or whatever it is that they do. I don't care if they, um, a flight attendant or a donut shop employee, I'm always really, when people can tell a good story, I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Now you talked about the fact that you um, studied psychology and you're a psychologist. I worked uh, with with, uh, psychology students as a librarian for 17 years. And I know for a fact that it is one of the toughest things you could possibly do in your life is to be a psychology student. Mm -hmm. And this for me ties into, you you talk about imposter syndrome and chasing your dreams. Um, you know, it's very hard to be a psychologist and do this kind of tie into that? Cause I know that getting through that process of going through all the classes, which are really, really hard. I don't think people really realize how hard psychology is to study. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. did this kind of tie into later on writing about imposter syndrome and chasing your dreams? How did that kind of struggle to get through that program? And it is a struggle. Did yeah. that kind of led to, to that other thing? Yes, it did very much so because even though I am so proud of the finished product of this book, I am more passionate about sharing the journey that it took to get there. And I don't mean the process that it took from start to finish to, you know, conception of the book to finishing the book. I mean the journey and I mean the life's journey. I'm 43 years old. I'm I'm married to an international award-winning architect and felt like a lot of my life, I was living in the passenger seat, right? Yeah. His life sort of lost in the roles of being a mother, being a wife and, and women especially suffer with imposter syndrome more so because, um, well, for those of you who don't know what it means, it's when an individual doubts their skills and talents um, and has a fear of being exposed as a fraud. Even the, even the most highly trained people will tell you they feel this. And it really, um, it, it's interesting because no matter how much evidence you have otherwise, you just really struggle with, for me, I struggled with being in, in the driver's seat of my own story and my own life. And so when I went through some, some therapy myself, um, I realized that many of us don't set goals because we don't think we're worthy of them. And, you know, for me, in my case, it was feeling scared of my own success versus my own failure, because I thought, what would that success look like within my family unit? What would that, what would compromise, be compromised with that? Um, You know, and like women, like myself, we tend to identify with just being a wife or a woman and those roles that come along with it. Um, so, you know, and, and, and along those lines, um, it's easy to dream about what you want 
Um, but in between where you are and what you want, there's a tremendous amount of work and exploration and things that you have to work through to get there. So this book is, I'm very proud of it because it, it is the hardest thing that I've ever done, but it's the most that I've ever shown up for myself. I really, um, I, I really always feel like imposter syndrome doesn't get enough attention because it's really kind of, it can be, it can be huge in somebody's life. It could be like a huge roadblock. I know for me, I, I'm a, I struggled with it for many years and didn't go after being a librarian until I was 50 because of that. And I, cause I, I have had lifelong learning disabilities. So for me, it was a really big struggle. I know that many women struggle this because I see my own wife go through this with her writing. Cause like to the kids, she's just mom, right? So they're kind of coming at her with all the stuff they need. And then, you know, um, just struggling at work and all the other things you have to do. Imposter syndrome can be really detrimental when you like are trying to like get off the ground as a writer. Mm -hmm. How does this all impact you when you started to try and write and be a blogger and then create your book? What were some of these roadblocks that you had? How did you kind of um, struggle with, with imposter syndrome? Mm, I think that we all have a personal lie that's deep rooted within us um, that we tell ourselves over and over again based on experiences that in our lives, um, probably mostly from our childhood. And for me, it, um, there's a couple, but it's that I, I tend to give up when something gets too hard because of what I was saying before, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of my own success, that my light is going to be too bright. Um, for my family, because that means my success might take me away from them, yeah. that my success might isolate me from friends who are maybe stuck and maybe are intimidated by my growth. Uh, and, and so I, 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 I tended to take things to the point where they were about to become successful or that I would feel like living to my fullest potential and, and say, you know what, that's just too hard to take it to the next level. Um, I had a natural products company also called Modern Hippie, Modern Hippie for Every Soul. And, you know, it started exploding locally and in shops, yoga shops, surf shops, boutiques, and I was selling them online. And then all of a sudden it got to the point where I would have to start mass manufacturing them. And which meant I would have to travel and interview, uh, this was way before COVID, interview manufacturers. And I just said, it was like, I was feeling suffocated. I was like, I give up, I can't do this. It's too hard, I don't wanna do it. And, you know, so, so that, this book was something that was so hard to me to achieve, but something I wanted so badly that I think the breaking point for me was when a point when I think my kids went off to school, I have two teenagers, 18 and 14 now, but they started their, uh, the year at school one fall. And I just remember sitting there thinking, it feels worse to me right now to be stuck on this couch, feeling like I don't have a purpose than it does for me to go through all of the hard steps to make this dream happen. So it was worse to be stuck than the fear of actually going through all these motions to get where I was. And so when that fear outweighed the other, I said, I can't stand feeling stuck for one more day. 
if you had any advice for men to like help the women in their lives to kind of empower them to kind of get past that roadblock, what would you give us as advice? Wow, great question. Oh, I love this. Well, I need it because I'm, I, really I'm feel, I really feel like the truest form of love is selfless love where you support without any conditions. If, if you see that your wife has a passion or a dream, um, you, you really want to love her by letting her be her, her, her fullest self. And my husband was very supportive in the sense that he encouraged me. And then when I would come to him feeling guilty about the money that I was putting, we were putting out for this, uh, you know, whenever he could sense that I was about to stop or quit or give up because it was just hard in that respect, he challenged me around that. He said, who's telling you that you're spending too much money, you or me, uh, you know, and who is telling you that you're not going to be as great of a mother or that our table isn't going to be compromised um, or is going to be compromised when you are cooking for the rest of the world. Who's telling you that, me, us or you? So he really kind of encouraged me to think, to talk things through like this at the table and really say, I love and support you. And no matter what you do and no matter how much time it takes away, I love you and we're here and we love and support you. And that sort of broke any of the chains that I had built around what I was thinking was an issue, but really wasn't. So I would say that that form of unconditional love and support is what a woman really needs because she is her own worst critic. Thank you for this. Because I, as a man, I needed to hear this to kind of help me, help my support my wife and her creative endeavors. So thank you. Oh, I love it. I love it. Where did the term modern hippie come from for you? Hmm. Modern hippie is a term that I use as laid back elegance. It's not, you know, some woman walking around, um, you know, half her body, you know, with her hair in braids and the other half the leather skirt. Mm -hmm. It's not that. It's more of a lifestyle. Um, you know, you can be a good hostess and a good cook and not slave away in the kitchen all day. Yeah. You can create an elegant tablescape without expensive linens. Um, and, and really the, the essence of modern hippie is that you can make people feel really good just by being present when you're in their presence. And so, um, you know, kind of going back to a time when people weren't running in a million directions with travel sports and, just, you know, they, they, you know, back then dinner was a very important meal. You can come home after school, go play with your friends in the neighborhood, but everyone needs to be home for dinner. And there was such an importance around that, that we have lost in this generation and COVID sort of brought back to the forefront. So, um, you know, the term modern hippie is just kind of a catchy, fun phrase for just really prioritizing family and also for just kind of just taking a step back being more creating more of those laid back atmospheres that make people feel special without feeling like you have to be stiff and have all this money and so much time now the book modern hippie table is not just a cookbook as we've always already said 
you know, I think people could look at it and give it, you know, oh, a cookbook, but like, there's so much more than that. So I want to like, kind of like talk about that a bit, because for me, it's important reading the book. There's a lot in there and decorating and creating a comfortable space. There's a lot of stuff. Can we talk about that a little bit, what you put into the book outside of the recipes? Yes, for sure. So one thing I learned about from my husband is, you know, I watch him uh, create the designs um, for people in their homes. And he really always, he'll go to a piece of property with no house on it, no structure, nothing. And he'll go at different times of the day and even different seasons. And he'll get a different feel for the property or the home that he's, you know, re remodeling. And he really believes that that a space has the space has a life and a soul. And so he designs with this in mind. And I really kind of, um, you know, related to that philosophy because when people come into your home, there is, I, I really want them to, to experience all of their senses without really even knowing that they are, but I want them to smell, I want them to, to see, I want them to hear, and, and just everything around them when they come into my home, I take responsibility for my table, for how I am. Um, am I stressed? Am I cleaning? Am I running around my kitchen with ingredients and stuff everywhere? Or did I carefully plan a little bit ahead of time so that most of the meal or parts of the meal were cooked so that when they come in, I have a cocktail ready? Or, um, you know, I, I have thought about the table. Uh, and this goes for just my family too. I really am conscious of what I bring and the energy that I bring to the space and the table. And so um, creating comfortable uh, atmospheres and where people feel romantic and special is just as important to me by what goes on the table. There's a lot to unpack with this book, but I want to talk about one specific part that for me was an epiphany that was like, it was one of those right place, right time kind of things. You talk about planning and how planning is so integral to creating events and creating um, times in your, in your life. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, I think planning, people say, oh my God, plan, I don't have to plan one other thing in my life. And that's why they steer clear a lot of times of, you know, making uh, a recipe from a book and they just kind of like put on the table, whatever's easy. I think planning is really just about being intentional. It's respecting you yourself as the host, as much as it is respecting your guests. And all it's doing is, is saying, you know, I knew you were coming and I thought about you showing up. So I took a little bit of time into thinking about my recipe and thinking about how you felt when you came in to my house. And so that to me is, an, is like another form of respect. So that um, even if, if it's, if I'm making, let's say, um, that's why I love using recipes that are maybe have, or making a meal that has maybe something that roasted for a few hours, but then, so, so then, I'll make a more complicated side, for example. I'm not making complicated main with a complicated uh, appetite or um, side. I just like to kind of be very conscious about 
what I have on my plate, literally <laughs> and figuratively, um, because I just think that that is the, 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 the way that the host can also get the most out of it so that you want to cook for your family and friends. You have a lot of delicious and elegant recipes in this book. What was the process like? Was it hard for you to kind of pick a select amount of recipes for this book? Hmm. Um, it wasn't uh, in the sense that I had a binder of <laughs> recipes that were just torn up and over the years, clippings from magazines, inspiration. And I'm very much an organized person and it wasn't working for me anymore. And my first step was, why don't I type this out so that it can be written neatly for my kids? And then because I'm such a visual storyteller, it just started evolving into, I would put, take my own pictures of my own recipes or family recipes and put them in the binder with the recipe. And then I started offering tips and I thought, wow, you know, like th this is, this is a really um, special way to, to, to present something in a book form like this. And so I started taking the recipes that my, either my kids really loved or that were, uh, you know, family for, for generations or some that I made up and putting them all together. And I guess I chose uh, some have great stories behind them, like where in my travels, I would eat somewhere and try to just recreate that taste in my kitchen, not knowing the recipes. And then others are just, um, you know, some, a little bit of my mom mixed in with a little bit of my grandmother and, you know, my twist in that and how recipes have ebbed and flowed and changed over the generations. So those are the ones I really chose for this book. The Collective Books Studio in Oakland did a great job with this book. Um, what was it like working with them at, on your first book during the quarantine, which must have added some challenges as yeah. well? I had a great experience with them. I hadn't heard before about partnership publishing. And this, it, it's basically where you, you, the author and the publisher are partners in the process. So you're, you are, um, you know, you are fronting some of the cost, but you're also getting a, a, a greater percentage of the royalties. And you also have 90% of the creative uh, freedom, which is amazing. They collaborated with me at every step of the way. I had the final say in everything. And um, when they, when, when I caught their attention, they, I flew out to uh, Oakland during the pandemic. I said, I have to meet with you to make sure I feel the energy and that, that this is the right fit. And it was, um, it's a woman owned publisher. Um, and, you know, she, her passion for what she does was very relatable to me and we chose each other. And um, they just have blown me away with my uh, expectation, you know, with, with what they've done as far as my expectations. I mean, their editorial team, their design team, their, you know, it's just been incredible. I've, I've enjoyed it so much. The photography for the book by Christy Hort was fantastic. Did you have a hand in the photography? Did you were able to kind of direct it? For sure. And that's a funny story because I wrote this book completely backwards. 
Um, I had no idea how to write a book. People say, well, where did you, how did you know? I didn't. I had no idea. So I went and I, there was a photographer that lives in my neighborhood. He's a fashion photographer. I said, do you know anybody in the industry in South Florida who shoots food and lifestyle? Oh yeah, let me give you this person's number. So he did. I interviewed three people. I chose one. That person gave me the name of food stylist. Next thing you know, a month later, they show up at my house. I had a whole concept book of what I wanted my book to look like. And I actually shot the photos before I even wrote the manuscript. Oh, before wow. Before I even picked out, picked out all the recipes. And it was so backwards that I didn't realize it. But the beauty of life is this. If you don't know, if you don't know how to do something, do it anyway. Because if you are going with and following your passion the right way, there is no right way. The only reason I got recognized by my publisher when I was turned down so many times with my book proposal from other publishers is because I, once I had all these images, which told that story without even words, that caught the eye of this publisher. And they said, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. Like, what's your story? And then I started putting that into words and writing about it. And, and, and that backwards approach ended up being the best thing I ever did. So I thought, I think that's a funny and cool part of the story. And the team that I had in my house shooting, Christy, Christy Horse um, and um, Frankie Chacon, he, they, they just, we worked together and they said it was the best, one of the best uh, projects they had ever done because for three weeks in my home, we, we, we were cooking and designing and creating and photographing and they became like a, 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 like a family. And so when they caught what my essence was and what my goals were, they had a lot of fun with me doing this. Circling back to imposter syndrome, what was it like holding the first uh, galley proof of the book in your hands? Um, funny enough, when I received the first handbound copy, yeah. I was emotionless and, and it really struck me. I said, well, am I, aren't I supposed to cry or, um, like be super proud? Like, how am I supposed to be right now? Because I'm really not feeling anything. And once I processed that with my husband, it was, sort of a delayed reaction of, I, I just wasn't allowing myself to believe that I had truly created this, I, that, I, that it wasn't real. Um, and, and it wasn't until really like after kind of reviews started coming in, and I'm not talking about just like, you know, from forward reviews or influencers or people in the industry, but also to like my family and my, and my kids. And the people who saw me working hard on this, it's sort of like they, they gave me permission to say, mom, this is incredible. Or look what you created. And then my daughter said, you know, mom, on my college application, I put in the, I, I, I wrote that my dad's an architect and now I can say my mom's an author. And that's just like the floodgates open and <laughs> the emotion came out of me that, oh my gosh, you know, that, that, that yes, that's, 
that's who I am. I am a published author. And, 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 and from that point on, I felt, okay, I need to really feel this because you can never write your first book again. Now, I want to ask too, uh, who are some of your favorite cooking and lifestyle authors that you like to read? Mm. Okay, so published, um, I think there's a great, I, I've always really, you know, one of the more famous ones is Giada. Giada was the first one to me who, who came out with like a lifestyle book 10 plus years ago, lifestyle cookbook where she had nuggets and tidbits between the chapters of what was in her purse, tips on how to eat out. How did she eat when she traveled? What did she pack? What did she do on the plane? You know, <laughs> and, and I really was so much more drawn to those tidbits in the book than I was even some of the recipes. And I thought, wow, she just gave people permission to talk about the process. It's like, Laird Hamilton's a famous surfer and everyone loves to watch him surf, but I really want to know, and people want to know, what do you eat for breakfast? What is your fuel? You know, people want to know what my husband is, how he draws more than they want to see the finished rendering of their house. It's like, oh, wow, let me see you draw, right? So um, yeah, the whole, the, 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 the process behind how that's all done is just equally as important and uh, yeah. Now, I got to ask, I'm, I'd be really surprised if Home and Garden Network and other channels aren't beating your, down a path to your door. Are, are you anybody kind of uh, pitching TV ideas to you yet? Mm, so I've just been doing a lot of um, a combination of live and, um, well, live, but in studio and in my own kitchen. So I think I'm kind of just getting used to the, you know, the TV aspect of it all. Would you want not, to do that? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I enjoy being live in person more than I do in a studio. So I would enjoy interacting with other people, uh, feeding off other people's energy more so than I'm in a kitchen um, showing and demoing. I like that too, but it would... I would be more interested in sort of a collaboration with my husband where we are, um, you know, cause just, we're just such a creative duo that feed off of each other. And, and I'm, 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 I'm really proud of that. And I love, we, we process a lot together. Um, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I would want to see that. That sounds great. Oh, great. Um, I just want to say, getting back to, I diverted a little bit as far as influences. There are oh, so many, no, I, I, I diverted. There are so many people right now on social media who are not, who don't have published cookbooks, who maybe are, are thinking about it, but the content that people are, are creating right now is just unbelievable. It's like when Pixar uh, came to the cartoon world, right? It's yeah. like Instagram and reels are make and TikTok are, are making this, uh, the, a lot of these bloggers and, and people are influencing me and how I am showing and teaching and um, creating. So there's a lot of influence from, from that. I think there's a huge trend towards that social media world, which a lot of people push and resist uh, against. 
but it's just the next season of, of, of cooking and um, creating. And um, so I would have to say that a lot of my influences are just people like me who are at home and, and um, who aren't famous. <laughs> living their life and, and, and showing, and, and that's what I love about, you know, writing Modern Hippie is I just wanted it to be fun and relatable for the, for the average woman at home who is, um, you know, most of her entertaining are small gatherings. Do you have any favorite vloggers? Yes, I love Half Baked Harvest mm. um, on Instagram. Yes, um, easy allergy free recipes. Kayla Capiello, she's actually publishing a book right now. Um, she's she is wonderful and great. Um, Foods of Jane, um, she's she's just a great. Uh, you know, all these all these people are are great recipe developers and content creators and and I really look up to their um yeah just the way that that they're showing what they're creating um and I'm trying to think of lifestyle I, I'm not so in, into in fact I'm a little turned off by um people who try on clothes and you know <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and it, I, I'm just, there's, there's not so much of an organicness to that. I love watching what people are cooking in and saying, I want that. Yeah. Um, and so the, the more relatable bloggers are the ones that I am most um, impressed with or yeah, influenced by. Now, I know this is an unfair question because you, you're on tour for your first book, but what what's next for you? Ooh, it's not it's not unfair. What what the uh, the the vision with this was? This is a cookbook by genre, but it's more a lifestyle. And for me, the vision was a series of lifestyle books that started with the table and the kitchen. The next one that I had in my vision was uh, the modern hippie traveler, and. That is one that documents our travels and our bolus road chief camper, which is like a silver bullet style tow behind camper that we travel throughout the country and we leave it somewhere and fly home and then fly back and drive it some more. And um, I love creating recipes, campfire recipes and, you know, cooking in very small spaces. So that was actually slated to be my next um, my next book but I've had so much fun in the food and entertaining aspect of all of this that I'm sort of talking with my publisher about like shifting a little bit and doing more of a of, of a board focused book food board and design oh nice truly been part of my passion but different unique not just this new trend of butterboard kind of thing. I'm not talking yeah. about the trend. I'm talking about beautiful, entertaining concepts, combining very interesting ingredients and, and concepts like um, serving cocktails and adult, ad, adult finger foods, meaning um, I, I say adult finger foods and it sounds naughty, but it's <laughs> like, um, you know, for example, like little, you know, ooey gooey grilled cheese bites with 
um, Manhattan shots on a board or something, mm. just, just different ways of, um, because now I'm getting, I just got invited to something um, next week in my neighborhood called a, a board party. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, like so up my alley. And all of these people were commenting what they were going to bring on a board. And one was a bruschetta board and one was a donut board and one was a pizza board. And so it's kind of taking like food serving and entertaining and in, in, like in a pop art kind of a way and making it aesthetically pleasing. And I, I really, I really can see that vision for my next book now. That sounds wonderful. I'm, I'm looking forward to that already. <laughs> Please do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you so much. I really want to thank you, Lauren, for being on the podcast and also for the insights you gave me today. I feel like I got a great twofer. So thank you. Oh my gosh. It's you asked such important questions and you, you are doing such a beautiful thing by, uh, by asking these questions and by, uh, you know, from a, from a, a male perspective, how do I help empower my my wife or my significant other because that makes for the best relationships right um when you can both be living your truest and best life and supporting each other that that's a beautiful thing so thank you for asking that well I don't want to downplay it you may have saved my marriage so thank you (laughs) (laughs) well you know what this book pretty much saved mine so (laughs) very nice Lauren, thank you for being on the podcast. I look forward to seeing more from you and I hope we can have you on the podcast again. Thank you. I will look forward to that.